Welcome to the Socket Podcast. Socket helps you plug into you and unplug from things that no longer serve you. Find your voice and self-esteem while learning to say no and set boundaries when needed. Your host, Kathy Suber, is an entrepreneur and mom of two with a life lens of happiness. If living a life of authenticity, kindness, and confidence is something you are looking for, get ready to plug in. We are glad that you are here. Welcome to the Socket Podcast. Today we are joined by my friend Erica Lopez. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, a local TV station reached out to me and decided they wanted to do a mom TV show for their station. It's called the Moms Network. And um, they had me, the executive director and marketing director, had me kind of brainstorm who I would like to have as co-host on my show. And there were a couple people that came to mind right away. And after I made my list, I realized that all of the moms um, that were on my list were working moms that, that had a career just because I do so much, so much networking and, and I work outside of the home. So I tended to connect a little bit more with those people just because that was our, this, you know, it's kind of the same lifestyle. Um, so I asked my office manager, Allison, I said, you know, I'd really love to have someone that primarily stayed at home with children to make sure that we're, you know, getting a nice blend of ideas and we're not all working parents. Um, And she brought up Erica Lopez. And I knew Erica as a patient, but I didn't know her all that well. So I randomly reached out to her on Facebook Messenger, like, hi, this is going to sound really weird. I know I've seen you like all of five times for adjustments, Um, but we're doing a mom show on NCTV 17 called The Moms Network. Do you have any interest in being a (laughs) co-host? And she wrote back almost immediately and said, that would make my theater self, you know, so happy. And um, so she's been one of our co-hosts for, what is it, two and a half? years now or something yeah been a while so so anyway Erica thank you for uh for coming on today thank you thank you for having me yeah I thought it was spam I almost didn't answer your uh (laughs) (laughs) you're like what is Dr. Kathy talking about I had to read it a few times, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that you made that decision. And then, uh, and then thank you for coming on today. So can you um, share with the audience just a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, I live here in Naperville on the east side of Naperville with my husband and two children. I have an eight-year-old going into third grade and a five-year-old going into kindergarten, girl and a boy. Um, grew up in the western suburbs primarily, went to Bennett right here in Lyle, um, so I was familiar with Naperville in the area. Um, went to Chicago schools for my bachelor's and master's and taught. I was a high school English teacher um, after a stint in the communication field. I left teaching um, in 2012 when I had, well, 11 actually, when I had my daughter. We moved from the city when she was one to the burbs, sold out, got our, went from our, you know, really <laughs> cool, exposed brick, no walls or door <laughs> condo to a home and um, haven't looked back. Here I am. So awesome. Awesome. Um, well, today um, we decided we were going to talk about the concept of am I enough, um, which all, you know, ties in self-esteem, 
the life lens that you view the world through. Um, and I know for myself, it has been an ongoing journey of finding my own self-worth and um, not have that tie into external issues, not have that tie into, am I in a relationship or not? Have that tie in, not tying into, are, are my children getting straight A's and the star of the soccer, you know, the soccer team? Um, not have it tie into, specifically for me, my weight. I've always tended to feel, well, if I'm at a good weight, then then I'm, I'm lovable. I'm, um, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. And if I'm heavier than I want to be that somehow something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so Eric and I were going to chat about that today. So Erica, how have you defined that for yourself over the years? And I know that it kind of changes decade to decade or depending on where our life is. Yeah. I mean, are you enough? is something that I think every single person, man or woman, no matter who you are, celebrities, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> everyone wrestles with. And absolutely what that external factor was changed over time. Some of them is consistent for sure. Body image is one of them. Um, grades, academics, job, the college of your choice, um, your family, you know, situation, how many kids you have, when you have kids. I mean, my goodness, that's... <laughs> The list is endless. Um, and no matter what people tell you, you know, if, if it's your parent or a mentor or friends telling you you're A, B, and C, and this is why we love you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because everyone can tell you something and you're just always going to, you know, wrestle with it yourself. Is it mm -hmm. enough? Um, and that's for sure what I've experienced throughout my life. I've had jobs where, you know, know if I was succeeding and I would have coworkers say, you know, you're actually kind of intimidating when you're on the phone, you know, that and I, intimidating me. I, I just think of myself as the very opposite of that, but that's yourself, your own perception of yourself versus others. Um, my husband, the same way when I met him, I was 26 and I was single for a while and really just insecure. And he said, man, when I met you, I was so nervous. You had it together. You know, you, you were all these things. And I thought, man, I didn't feel all those things. So thank God you saw that in me because, you know, it takes, again, no matter how many times people tell you your certain things, it's, are you enough? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and I've probably went on somewhat of a similar journey, um, 46 now, but I think back to being a teenager, being in my twenties and even in my thirties. Um, I, I really, when I put my head down at the end of the night, I wasn't saying nice things to myself. There was a lot of negative talk going around in my head. Um, and no one actually like made me feel that way to my knowledge. Right. I, it's right. not as if, I you grew were up in a home where, where, you know, my mom or my dad was telling me I was, you know, a piece of crap or, you know, I mean, I, right. I felt, I felt loved from my family. They were, um, they were uplifting. I don't, I don't remember having like too much stress to get good grades. I was pretty smart and I didn't have to work super hard at school. So, you know, I got A's and B's and every once in a while I threw a C in there just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but didn't so that make I, you almost feel more guilty then because you knew you had it pretty good, right? Yeah. So 
at night feel this way. I shouldn't look at this person who has this going on and this. Nope. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, if you tell yourself that enough, you're not allowing the feelings that you have to be there and they're authentic and they're real and it's okay. Yeah. I, I wonder, because I believe everyone struggles with this. Like you, like you said, male, female, you know, doesn't matter how old you are. Um, It seems as if of all the women I have in my life, that get to that 50 year old age, that seems to be like the magical age of, um, I'm trying to put together my my clear thought on this because anytime I listen to other podcasts or I talk with friends, it seems as if once you get to a place in your life where you can be 100% your authentic self without apologizing for it or without being embarrassed about who you are or without having to filter who you are for other people to try to, to try to fit into a certain mold. Once you have that piece down and then once you have, I don't really care what other, what other people think of me. I mean, as long as you're kind and you're, you know, you're you're a decent human being. Right. Um, uh, And so when you, when that collides, when, when I have enough self-esteem to be true to myself and I've gotten past the point that I don't, I'm not overly worried what other people think about me. That's when, that's when it kind of like, right. And so why, why do you think everyone struggles so much with it? Even if they did were raised in situations like we were raised in, you know, and we had a lot of advantages. So you think about someone who is raised in a, in a terrible situation with really awful parents or um, in, in a poverty situation. You think about all the things that we had that someone else might not have and how much more of a struggle that would be. Where do you, do you, have, any, do you have any thoughts of where that comes from? <laughs> I think it's a couple things. It's the comparison game, number yeah. one. And that's only, you know, exploded. <laughs> with social media for sure. I mean, I definitely have to detox from it every once in a while. I mean, literally this morning, right before we did this podcast, a mother of one of my daughters was like, it's not even 9 a.m. And I ran and taught this one multiplication and did this, 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 and this. Great day. And I just, you just want to reach through the screen and be like, I'm happy for you. Really, <laughs> I am. I'm not feeling insecure at all about the fact that I'm dressed. And this is a really great day because I got dressed today. (laughs) So number one, it's it's comparison. And number two, I once had someone tell me that just because you haven't experienced a huge trauma, right? Like a a major significant death or someone leaving or a rape or I mean, something huge, huge, huge. It doesn't mean that there's, there aren't a lot of little things Mm. happen throughout your life that can still stack up. You know, and even though there might, you may think they're insignificant. Well, this one kid kind of did this bully thing to me. This one, you know, this is my relationship with my sibling or that, but it's little things that add up and they still can be, um, can take their toll, you know, body. No, that's, that's true. I mean, as you were talking about that, you know, I kind of, my brain goes back to being on the schoolyard, being called fat, or, um, I had a coach in high school that, I was on a softball team and I, and I did something. I like, I had my pants and I, and I hiked my pants up for some reason. I don't know. I scraped myself or something. And he looked down he's like, man, you have fat knees. You know, and I think, and so those are the things that pop into my head immediately. Right. Right? And it just was like, 
I kind of looked at him like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know? And I look back to my body back then, and I've never been a thin person. Like I'm, I'm never going to be a little twig, you know, even at my thinnest, 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 I'm probably a size 14. Um, and I also have always just weighed a lot. I have a lot of muscle. I've always been, you know, athletic. And, um, and so you're right. There, there probably were those, just those little plugins, right. That happened time over time over time. And that's just about weight. Right. And then there was, you know, the guy, the guys that I liked that never liked me back that always liked my best friend, like <laughs> always. Right. I don't know how many conversations I've had with other guys. Like, you know, I like your friend, Christine. I know everyone does. <laughs> so I was kind of always the, the guy's girl, like, you know, the yes. girl's guy, right. Hey, I, kind of fitting, I was kind of the friend. Um, mm -hmm. And but you know and what that, you, again, was it because you just felt that and then gave that vibe off? Do you know what I mean? I yeah, mean, like which came first? Now if, in, in, as an adult where, well, maybe they were interested, but if I'm going like this and, you know what I mean, and drinking, a, well, then maybe that was the way I presented myself yeah, right? as the friend and not necessarily what they thought because, not, you know, Christine is not everyone's cup of tea. You know what I mean? Every other person wants a candy. <laughs> you know, so, I think from early on, and I, I don't think I would have had language around this, I kind of felt like I had a little more masculine energy as a female. Um, and I, like, I think about every once in a while I would look around and like, I never felt like I could get my act together style-wise. Like, I would look at, I kind of would look at, like you talk about the comparison game. Yeah. Even at high school, even back to, I was in a women's circle downtown Chicago, and I had no idea what I was going to wear. I was like, am I supposed to wear jeans? Am I supposed to wear dress pants? Am I supposed to, like, I didn't have, I didn't really know, like, what type of casual wear, like business casual wear. I, I don't know. I just don't know what to put on my body sometimes. So I'm sitting in this circle a year ago and I'm pretty confident in myself overall. And I literally look around, I'm like, I'm the only one that doesn't have their act together, you know? And I certainly felt that growing up. Um, and I'd be the one that, you know, we're sitting in a circle and all the girls have their legs crossed, probably because their legs cross easier because they're, they don't have as much fat on them. But, um, and I'd be there with my legs spread open. Like I realized like my body language, I felt like just didn't, um, doesn't always fit into a female body for some reason. I don't know that. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. I mean, for me, you know, are you enough? Definitely got shifted, um, as when I became a stay at home parent, um, because I've always been somebody that worked. So, yeah. I, you know, got, went into that counselor's office in high school at 14, got my worker's permit and never looked back. I never mm. wanted to ask my $5 for the movie. I, it just was not me. It wasn't them. You know, a lot of times you hear a neighbor, well, I make my kid earn their, it was never a make my kid. It was me. That was intrinsic. And when we made the decision for me to stay at home, I, I did not play with dolls and dream about being a mom. I always say I taught high school for a reason, not elementary school. I don't know what to do with little children or babies. Um, we didn't have little cousins. We didn't come from a big family. This was not something that I sat and thought, I can't wait to be a mom and have little kids. Never. Um, for us, it was a, a couple 
Um, number one was financial. I was working in a school district that didn't pay very well. We were living in Chicago and the solid, really good, decent daycare options were extremely expensive. So we're talking about, you know, about 60% of my salary, right? And, and then add another child and it's on top of that. Um, my workload was huge. I mean, I had six classes of about 35 kids in teaching English. I was grading until the wee hours of the night, planning all weekends. Um, my husband at the time was just finishing up um, graduate school at Northwestern, which is a competitive program. And he um, had a lot of goals that he set for himself. And, you know, I definitely saw that it didn't make sense for him him to really stop his train, you know, that was going full speed ahead. And it just made sense for me, you know, to stop my train that never could be full speed ahead. As a teacher, you just chug along and the same, you know what I mean? The years go by and it's the same thing and you get paid this much more every, every year. And the trade-off of having someone else watch my kids for what I would ultimately bring home. It just didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. So there I was not knowing what the heck I was doing in this tiny condo when he was at work all day and then grad school at night and figured it out. <laughs> and I was so tired, but the whole uncircling back. When we got out to Naperville, you know, the first few years of having a baby are in this tunnel and then you have another one and the tunnel continues. But I would say within the last three or four years is when I started to feel this, am I enough, right? Because mm. when someone asks, what do you do? I, I fumble and it's terrible because it should be a simple, I'm a chiropractor. My, that's what I am by trade. I am a teacher. I am a doctor. I am a lawyer. And for some reason, I want to say, I'm a stay-at-home mom and, and I'm a Girl Scout leader and I do this show and I have a direct sales business and I do, but nobody wants to hear that. They're like, okay, all I heard was mom, see you later. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's hard to figure out what your role is, especially when you have a lot of little roles, but none of them maybe have a, they don't resonate. <laughs> A, defi a defining, yeah. you know, how it's so, that's so interesting. How, so how did you, cause you always described yourself probably, oh, I'm a teacher, right? I teach English. So when you made the decision to stay at home, it almost like you had to recreate your identity. Right. 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 And then have, have you been met by like, what, what do people give back to you when you say, oh, I stay at home with my kids. Do you get like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome? Or do you get like, oh, okay, I don't know what to talk with you about? Like, what's the feedback you get? It depends on the circle. Yeah. So when I would go to some of these Kellogg reunions, um, and I would be there with all these very, very professional women, um, I would get them and then just walk. Because mm. they had nothing that they could possibly talk to me about. I think that, I guess, is what they're thinking. Um, if I'm with you know, a bunch of Naperville moms, then there might be a few that are in the same boat and, and can relate. Um, so it depends. It just depends. I definitely, from my friend group, because I'm pretty much the only one at home, um, I get a lot of, you're so lucky, must be nices, a lot mm -hmm. of must be nices. Um, and then I get a lot of, now that Brandon's going into kindergarten, it's like I have a clock. Like first it was the biological clock. <laughs> 
right? Because I didn't have my kids till my 30s. And now it's, well, so now what? What are you going to do? Well, currently there's a pandemic. So let's just see if I'm going to be a teacher at home right now. Right, right. And, and, and what if? What if I don't go back to something full time? I mean, people just assume you're going to just jump back into things. But yeah. There's all these assumptions or assumptions about what what an educator looks like. You're done at three o'clock. I can tell you that's not true. You know, or it's not. What a stay-at-home mom looks like. You have all this time, um, and that's not true. So I just you feel like you're constantly explaining, and I don't know if that's coming from personal insecurities. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel I have to do to make myself worthy in someone else's eyes. You know, I, I don't know. yeah. Well, and I think as, as you get older and you get more mature, you start to understand, like, is that, is that a me issue or is that a them issue? Right. You know, like, is someone saying, oh, must be nice. Like, that really has nothing to do with the choice that you made for yourself. That's mm-hmm. something going on inside them. Either they would prefer to stay home or they think that you literally sit on the couch and watch TV all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when stay-at-home moms go on strike like love it i think everyone should like just hey we're taking we're taking two weeks off and then everyone's like oh my god well what about that what about that what about well we don't have any groceries well you know why are the dishes in the sink and you you don't you don't realize how much it takes to run a household um you know jason and i are in partnership and we we do i mean he does just as much as i do but it's still even collectively between the two of us who do work like it's still a lot of work and so when, when all of that falls primarily on a stay-at-home mom, I, I just, I think it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. And you also are trying to figure out who am I? What is my identity? Who like, okay, so I'm, I'm, you know, so-and-so's mom. And how, how else do I fill myself up? Like, how do I keep, how do I keep Erica as a woman? And I don't mean specifically for you, I, I kind of anyone. How do I, how do I keep my personal identity as a woman and a, and, you know, a human being, not just, oh, I'm so-and-so's mom. Right. I mean, I think I've really learned to appreciate the value that I bring. You know, when someone says must be nice, that sort of thing, it must be nice for sure that my husband gets to literally spend 100% of his time on his career and building his company that he started. because I can take on 100% of the household. If we were both working, he couldn't have started the company he did. He couldn't be doing what he does because he works a billion hours a week. That wouldn't happen. Yep. I bring value to the classroom when you're there as a chaperone because, you know, other parents are working. Would they love to be there? I'm sure. And some do, right? You take time off. But if someone needs something in a pinch, it's those who are are able to do it for other kids, not just your own, right? Yeah. You're able to lead the troop or coach the team or whatever, because you do have that time. And that's a value because it's a value to your community and your children and your friend group and your household, you know? Well, and to working moms like myself that I have to be honest, even if I had a day off, I did not want to be volunteering at the school. I don't know. I just don't. I don't have the, I, like, I feel like something's missing a little bit. Like so I, I had the kids and, you know, I, I always wanted to have kids since the time I was like two. I remember I didn't play with dolls and pretend like I wasn't like, I wasn't planning out a wedding and, and things like that where many little girls are doing. Um, but 
I certainly knew I wanted to have kids. And then once I had the two, my two boys and they are 14 months apart, it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, they always talk about, oh, you're so tired and, you know, it's just nonstop. Um, I, I really got overwhelmed. I remember th I thinking, I don't know if I've said this on podcast before, but I, I think I looked at my husband at one point. I was like, could someone just shove them back inside me for a weekend? Like, it just like, I felt like I couldn't catch a, a breath. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I was working outside of the home, but I was, I was lucky enough to work three and a half days for a period of time. Um, and so I would wake up in the morning and be like, okay, do I stay at home or do I go to work today? And if the answer was I'm going to work, it was a relief to me because I just didn't know, I just didn't know how to make up all that time with toddlers and young kids. And um, I, didn't en I didn't enjoy it. And that made me feel like crap. I was like, man, I've wanted to be a mom all my life. And now I have these beautiful, healthy children. And I really don't like this right now. Of course I didn't. I, of course I loved my children, right? And there was awesome times, but the bulk of the kind of taking care of them at that age was, um, it was not my jam. Yeah. Yeah. I think as, as my daughter gets a little bit older, um, I, I don't know. It's hard to know what's your jam. Maybe what's your sweet spot as a parent, right? I think yeah. you've always talked about, watching them grow into adults, that's been your jam, yeah. right? Leading them yep. in relationships and life decisions. And I think I'm going to be similar. Um, but yet here I am. <laughs> you know, I remember when I went to your, the first uh, Naperville Moms Network lunch, yep. I, I had a network marketing business. So that's what I was going, I guess, to promote. But going also to get out of the house and to meet other moms. And I met, I think I sat at the table with Anita Knotts. Well, forget, it. you know, I have spit up on me and I'm sitting next to Anita and I thought I'm going to go in the bathroom and just, just tear up for a second. Cause I don't know who I am and I don't know that I am, um, some of, you know, like some of the women here and I don't know how to present myself. Who, what am I, um, promoting, right? Yeah. Is it, is it this small business and am I proud of that? Or is it, is there something more that I'm doing or am I just, can I just be honest? And I have to say now that I've gone to so many and the show started, my um, narrative has just changed. I went from, I don't know, and this is what I'm doing. And I just have babies <laughs> to I'm primarily a stay at home mom. I have a business online. I'm part of the cast of the Naperville Moms Network. And I don't know what's next for me, but I'm excited to be out of the house today. You know, and you just, I can say it so much more confidently that I don't have to have the same story than the person sitting next to me. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. And that, I mean, man, if everyone could feel that, right? If, if every woman in their 30s, um, could, could get to a place where they find that confidence. They find that, you know what? These are the decisions I've made. I'm, I'm proud of the life I'm building. Um, I don't have it all figured out because who has it all figured out? Um, but I don't have to make up a story in my head that you believe me to be less than just because I'm not a financial planner, right? Or I'm not a lawyer or I'm not a doctor or something like that. Um, I know my version of that used to be, I've been a chiropractor for 22 years. 
And if you go back 22 years, the perception of chiropractic has shifted quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I remember going to the chamber networking events and someone would say, oh, oh, you know, what, what do you do? And I would be like, well, I'm, I'm a chiropractor, but I'm a good chiropractor. <laughs> and that, I mean, I, I had no idea whether they liked or didn't like chiropractors, right? And then, I'm like, I'm a good, like, I don't make you come back a million times. And, you know, I, I know when I need to refer out of my office, I went in, I, I must've been so annoying. Like, okay, we get it. You're a chiropractor. But it, it was, I got about 50 back then. I got about a third, a third, a third, a third kind of like, okay, great. And then a third was, oh my God, I love chiropractors. I love my chiropractor or I need to go. I need to come see you. Cause I just moved here and I need a new chiropractor. And then a third was, oh, and it was very, 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 very clear that they were not pro chiropractic, you know, and and then you know, 22 years later, if someone asks me what I do, no, well now I do a variety of things because I so I feel kind of like I don't know, I kind of do a bunch of things, but um, if I say I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm a chiropractor, and I just. I honestly, if they're going to give me a negative response, which is few and far between these days, every once in a while, I still get it. Mm -hmm. I don't care because you know what? For 22 years, I've been in my practice and I've seen miracles happen on a daily, weekly, monthly, you know, all the time. I know what chiropractic does and what it doesn't do. Um, and so if you have a story in your head that, you know, chiropractic isn't a real doctor, I'm a quack. I honestly just don't care because I, I have, I have the work to back it up and I have the self-confidence in the fact that I do a great job at it. Um, and right? You're yeah. in what you do. And I think ultimately that's sometimes where this low self-esteem comes from is that if you're not a hundred percent sure of or fulfilled in what you do, then how can you project that confidence? Because yeah. You, have, you know, yep. Well, and I think, you know, when, when someone, when people are struggling with this concept of maybe not feeling worthy enough, not feeling confident enough, that's when a lot of the negative things come out, never negative behaviors. If you look at bullying, right? A bully is technically someone who is putting someone else down that gives them a temporary sense of power, which makes them temporarily feel something good, I guess. Um, and then you, you translate that into a little later in your life and you talk about, you know, talking behind other people's backs, right? Mm -hmm. If you're at a dinner party and all the girls or all the women are standing around having a glass of wine, chatting about Sally and, you know, how she looked that day or, you know, the fact that she doesn't have her act together or, you know, you really look at like, what's the root of that? The mm -hmm. root is very similar to the bully of, I'm, I'm not feeling confident in myself. And so I'm going to put someone down and I'm going to connect with other people to put someone down. Somehow that makes you feel power. It makes you feel something. Um, and then you even look into addictions, right? People that feel shame or feel a negative, you know, have a negative belief system about who they are or where they are in life or have gone through some sort of trauma. And then, and then you, you have alcohol addiction, you have drug addictions. Um, there's, there's, you know, even the young girls like cutting, like all, all of the negative behaviors that I can think of at some, in some way goes back to the core of, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not loving myself right now. Right. And it's, it is kind of, you talk about the pandemic we're going through right now. I think it is so 
it's so, um, I don't know what the right word is, spread, like everyone feels this. And it, like if, if we could, if somehow we could go around and start with the kids now and help them find their voice. And I think parents these days are better at it than, you know, our parents were, or even especially you get two generations out, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you parent your children trying to help them be okay in their uniqueness and who they are, feel a strong self of a sense of self. How do you do that? I don't know. Do you have the answers for me? Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the thick of it with my daughter. She's going into third grade. Um, she's very sensitive, um, very much in her head, um, academically top of the class, um, mature, but she's always thinking and always, um, affect she's definitely empathetic to everyone so if another child is experiencing something she's experiencing it with them um, and there's already been the negative self-talk you know i wish my legs were skinnier like my friends my legs aren't skinny i don't remember that starting at seven and eight i, mm. I just personally don't and i was always chunkier one of my friends but for me I don't think that started to like fifth grade but it's starting younger now and again I don't think it's coming from other people I don't think anyone I see it because I'm around a lot it's it's herself and I am hyper aware of how I talk about myself yeah I know that she's not getting it from that it's just images I mean they're already on you know she's got a poster of Taylor Swift and a you know poster of Katy Perry and these kinds of images and then it, you because she's so observant she's just watching you know how are other people and she'll say you know I wish I was happy as happy sometimes as other kids like you know look at my best friend she just cares about rainbows and unicorns life is all rainbows and unicorns you know okay how is it now how difficult is your life right now in our safe home with stable parents you know what I mean I just it kills yeah. me you don't want to say you should be lucky. You shouldn't feel this way. You know, you're not allowed to feel any negative thoughts or sadness because your life is good. Well, that doesn't help anything. No. So, you know, sometimes I think it's just up to her. I am there as her rock and as her foundation. And if she wants to cry or if she wants to yell or if she wants to whatever she can, but it's got to be for a limited amount of time. I can't spend two hours with you at night because you're, you just have so many emotions you need to get those in check because you don't have any problems right now and life will present you with problems. For me, I just want to teach her how to deal with them when they do arise because right now when problems arise, it's not looking good. So yeah. I need to coach her in the direction of how to, you know, the other day she took a walk and that helped. Great. Exercise might be your outlet then. And how awesome is that to learn that at eight, if mm -hmm. you run that you blew some steam off. Amazing. Because that's better than if you don't learn that, you're going to pick up a drink, you're going to pick up a, you know, yeah. all of the self-destructive, you know, things. Oh gosh, I went on a tangent, but it's tough raising a little girl right now. <laughs> no, and I have two boys. So I, I just, um, I have two boys that have been relatively uncomplicated to raise for the <laughs> most part. I mean, we've had our little issues here and there for sure. But, um, and I, 
And I do realize how fortunate I am. We really just, they get along great. They're respectful. They, you know, I mean, their rooms, like sometimes there's garbage in their rooms. Like that's our big issue right now. Um, so I know that I haven't had to deal with those emotional issues. And I feel as if they have always been just bathed in love. Um, they've also been held accountable for their actions, right? If they're, you know, if, if the expectation is X, Y, and Z and they do X, Y, and they forget Z, all right, you got to come on back. We got to do that now. And here's, you know, if it's something big enough, here's the consequence of that. So right. there've been, it's been firm and loving in, in two ways. Cause I, I'm like, I want, I want you to grow up to be someone who's going to be a wonderful human being and a great partner for someone else and right. know that not everything's just given to you and you have to work, you have to work for a good life. Um, so I guess, I guess I, I really, I really haven't had to dig in too deep to deal with, you know, the emotions of, you know, and I, it's not all boys and girls, right? I mean, there's plenty yeah. of boys that, that have really deep emotions and my Nicholas, my younger one, he's just, He's so happy. He's, I always joke with Jason, man, if everyone could live in Nick's world, this <laughs> world would be the happiest place. He just, he really like doesn't need any drama. He, you know, he, he was in a friend circle probably when he was in like eighth grade and these girls were calling him all the time and like over and over and over. And there, you could just tell there was a lot of stress in the group. And then all of a sudden, maybe three or four months later, I realized I haven't, I haven't heard anything about this group. And so I said to him, I said, Hey, we haven't, you know, heard from these kids for a while. I, you haven't talked about them. And he said, you know, mom, there was just so much drama. And I just, I just kind of backed myself out of the group. And I thought, man, in eighth grade, like mm -hmm. you already know, this is not the space for me and I'm going to wean myself out of it. Um, and I thought that was pretty mature for someone to do that, but it's, that's hard to do. I think it's just, uh, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And every kid is different. And I think I can see my son being more like that. I mean, he just gets along in life easier, right? Mm -hmm. He can go to a playground and everyone is his friend. He can, I mean, this COVID happens and I'll wear a mask for seven hours. No problem. I mean, just very go with the flow. And that's what's going to mean success down the line, right? Whatever that means. Yeah. Um, my daughter is, is brilliant and, and all the amazing qualities she has. I have to roll up my sleeves and I have to really parent her. And I'm mm. wrestling with this right now because I need to work on the discipline and I need to work on the consequences because um, there is the attitude starting, there is the pushback and all that. And you just got to dig deep and instead of throwing in the towel or screaming and fighting, which a mom and a daughter can easily do, um, <laughs> I need to take a step back and, and really step into my job, mm. which I've defined is as a parent, right? So I have the time and I'm able to, to figure it out. So I need, that's what I'm doing Yeah, it out day by day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I go back and think about, you know, my growing up, I, I can't imagine that my parents had any idea what was going on inside my head. Right. So I think it's really good that your daughter can, has you to talk to and can verbalize, even if it's a lot and the rolling up the sleeves has to happen often, 
Um, it certainly is a much better presentation than her, you know, locking herself in a room and not expressing any of it, right? Hundred percent. And I think when you talked prior about other generations, I, I think as much discipline as they had, because I was the epitome of well-behaved child, right? In the parents' mm-hmm. eyes, and I did, and I worked, and I clearly there was a work ethic there, and I did as I was told, but I never shared anything with my parents. They had, they didn't know about friend issues or boy issues or body image issues. I mean, maybe down the road, but that was behind closed doors, like yeah. you said. And I think maybe our generation is making up for that. And so we're lacking on the discipline and how do you feel and talk and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I think it needs to happen as a marriage of the two is yeah. discipline that the prior generation had along with the communication and the importance of mental health and conversation and coping mechanisms together. And that, yeah. that's, I think, the magic sauce. So if anyone out there's figured it out, let me know. <laughs> At Positively Erica on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and, I, and I certainly see, you know, raising teenagers and seeing how some other teenagers are parented. Um, it's interesting to see the different parenting styles. And there certainly are a few um, kids that we have in our lives that the parents are the, the child's best friend or want, you just can tell they're, they're trying to be too much of their friend and not enough of their parent. Um, and you know what, everyone does it differently. So I'm, I'm not in a space to judge. I'm certainly not, you know, a, a perfect parent. I've made mistakes along the way. Um, but I remember seeing something, and I think we actually talked about it on the Moms Network uh, show at one point, but there was an article I read about being a lighthouse parent. Um, and they're, you know, talking the difference of like helicopter parent or this kind of parent or, you know, what, what's, what's the, oh, free roam parent where you just let them go do whatever they want, which is how we grew up, right? I mean, yeah, it was like, I was six years old. I'd be like, hey, mom, I'm going to go, you know, ride my bike to Beth Ann's. She's like, all right, be home by dinner. And they didn't know where we were. We were like traipsing around the woods and crawling yeah. under, yes. crawling under the, the roadways, you know, in the big, you know, uh, cement. So, I mean, oh my goodness, the things we were doing at such a young age. But as far as the, the lighthouse parenting, it was like, I am here. I will always shine my light for you. I'm always going to be here when you need me. But you also need to get in your boat and go out and, and test the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel as if my ex-husband and I have done a relatively good job of allowing the kids, you know, all right, you, you've proven that you, can, that you can be responsible. So yes, now you can ride your bike to the school. Yes, now you can ride your bike to your friend's house across the neighborhood. You know, yes, now, you, you know, so we, we kind of like let them kind of wean into those things. Um, and I see some parents kind of swinging so far, the pendulum so far where the kids are just not allowed to do anything. And it's yeah. scary being a parent because as you let them go, you don't know where they are every second. Mm-hmm. And it's, you've got to kind of wrestle with all of that. But um, anyway, that could be a topic for another show. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what do you think is the number one thing you do for yourself to keep yourself in check to make sure that your self-confidence, your self-esteem, your am I enough is filled up? Reflection. Mm. Um, I don't want to say the word meditation because I don't 
do it the right way. (laughs) I would say reflection. I think at the quiet times before bed or even first thing in the morning, um, when there's no outside, you know, static, um, it's just thinking about the life that we have mm-hmm. is made possible because of my place in it. Yep. And I have to um, appreciate that, acknowledge it and know that it's enough for the time that I'm in and the place that I'm in right now. I think that's uh, great. Yeah. I, and I don't know that there's the wrong, a wrong way to meditate. Just so you know, I think, <laughs> I think if you can, if you can find that time to have that quiet time, cause there's so much noise in life these days, um, whether it's your phone or the TV or just, you know, kids. Uh, um, so to find, find space in your life to be thoughtful and intentional and have that time to, to really give your life some thought like that. I think that's uh sounds like your perfect way of meditation. So <laughs> well, Erica, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I just, I knew that with all the conversations that I've been having with people, you know, they're all friends of mine, which I'm so fortunate to have, have this mm-hmm. whole pocket of friendship that of people I can really depend on and lean on and, and um, have these great conversations with that mean something. Um, so I feel, I feel very fortunate um, to have you in that circle. And, uh, and I hope that you have a wonderful day. And to everyone listening, um, we hope that you find some of that quiet reflection time and, and dig in, find time to dig in deep to, to know your value, to know your worth, um, because it's so important in your everyday life. Um, and and um, it also not only helps yourself, but helps anyone that is in your circle. So I hope everyone has a great day and we will be back next week with more from the Socket Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Socket Podcast. Looking for more gratitude, confidence, and happiness in your life? Check out our website, www.simplysocket.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Simply Socket. And remember, be unapologetically you. It's a waste of energy to be anything else.